today on the Tearsheet Podcast. The exciting thing about ACH rails is there's some emerging technology where you can have um, not even next day funding, but in many cases, same day funding and even getting to the point of instantaneous fund transfers. Those ACH rails, one of the big benefits as well is it's a fraction of the cost of interchange of what Visa and MasterCard, um, you know, they typically charge on, on those same transactions. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. Twala's new CEO, Brady Harris, joins me on the podcast. He's been in the payments industry long enough to see the real opportunity for B2B payment players and how the space has evolved over time. We talk about ACH, the role it plays in the payments ecosystem, and where it might be headed in the future. Use cases are expanding, and Harris describes how different firms and industries are using it to advance their payments experiences. We talk about Zwala itself and where the company can continue to find growth. Brady Harris is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Hi, Zach. I'm Brady Harris, CEO of Dwala, proper out of Des Moines in San Francisco, California. And this is not your first rodeo. Not my say. first rodeo. That's right. <laughs> I've, uh, I've been in fintech and payments for about 20 years, a senior executive for about 10 of those 20. Uh, so I've been around a little bit. So, and, and you're new in the CEO role at Dwala. Can maybe take us back um, through your career and, and how you got here? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I started in payments in the early 2000s. This was back when people were using those knuckle busters, carbon copies to slide that credit card over uh, to get an imprint. And I was really fortunate to pick a, a good industry, as you and your listeners know, really fast growing, a lot of uh, technology, uh, innovation, a lot of advancements. And so I spent the better part of the, the 2000s and then the last decade really just growing the ranks and growing through the ranks of various payment companies to, to ultimately uh, running a fairly large payment ISO. Uh, they, they had about 15, 20,000 customers or merchants coast to coast. Uh, I primarily came through the revenue sell side of the business. Uh, and I had moved into after some of those uh, more sales revenue specific roles into a president CEO role. Uh, of this ISO Elliott management group. That was through 2017. We had had several successful uh, private equity transactions. Uh, and that gave me an opportunity to then relocate to Atlanta with a, a very fast growing, really exciting company called Payscape uh, that was getting ready to do a transaction, hopefully in, in the next year or two after coming on board. I was really brought in to help professionalize scale revenue uh, they had some really interesting SaaS products on the peripheral of payments that they had developed from the ground up that they needed to go to market with. And so I was able to join that executive team as president. And we have just finished a transaction late last year with Parthenon Capital uh, out of Boston. So they're now on an M&A sprint. They have recently merged with several large payment companies, PayRock, BluePay, NextGen, and they're just doing amazing things. So it was a great opportunity for me then to uh, to make a move to another fast-growing company, and that is uh, Dwala, where I've been for a few weeks now. So, well, welcome aboard, um, first of all. Uh, Thank you. So you're talking to Ben, founder. Um, what what about Dwala, I guess, piques your interest? Like what, obviously something did because you're sitting in the CEO role now, but like t take us through that kind of conversation and, and, and what got you excited about the opportunity. It, it really did pique my interest right right from the very beginning. 
you know, I was very casually looking into, into some fintech opportunities, mostly networking through private equity and VC relationships that I have. Uh, and I was looking at some really serious contenders there in Seattle, Austin, Texas, Boston, New York, Chicago, here in Atlanta, back in Salt Lake City. And through the Foundry Group, uh, a really great VC out of Boulder, Colorado, and Union Square Ventures uh, there in New York, uh, this Dwala opportunity had come to light. You know, Dwala is an amazing, uh, amazing company. They grew, I want to say, about 60% last year. And the most exciting part about that 60% is they, they really hadn't refined or defined their go-to-market strategy. So they were sitting on an amazing technology, this ACH product driven through API uh, technology that they've developed from the ground up. And they've just had very organic growth, really good, um, you know, really good trajectory in the business, very innovative product roadmap. But they really wanted to target an executive with transaction experience that had scaled revenue and really scaled those go-to-market teams. And so for me, it checked all those boxes. Amazing product, really committed, loyal, very passionate staff that loves the product, great culture. But most importantly, it was really just sitting on what I felt was a, an industry disruptive technology that if taken to market, you could really scale and do some, some pretty amazing things in the payment space. So let's talk about the product and the market around that before we talk about the go-to-market strategy that you're, you're concocting now. Um, so can you take us through sort of the ACH product and, and, and why that's so interesting and, and what trends that plays into today? Yeah, if, if anyone's familiar with the payment space, we primarily in payments talk about the Visa and MasterCard rails. And so the idea of creating a merchant account, it's a commodity where you transact funds point A to point B, you're, you're going to pay a percentage, uh, what they call interchange, most likely some transaction fees. All in all, you're going to pay three to 4% of every transaction for a, a 24 to 48 hour deposit time. The exciting thing about ACH rails is there's some emerging technology where you can have um, not even next day funding, but in many cases, same day funding and even getting to the point of instantaneous fund transfers. Those ACH rails, one of the big benefits as well is it's a fraction of the cost of interchange of what Visa and MasterCard, um, you know, they typically charge on, on those same transactions. So you have a couple things coming together for an intersection. You have really fast deposit time. Using API, you have a highly customized programmable payment that can be integrated in some, some pretty interesting ways into software, apps, existing platforms or dashboards companies may be using. And then you can do that again in a fraction of the cost. So Dwala, They've pivoted a few times over the years with their product originally in, in a P2P more, uh, more product space. But in recent years, have put a lot of development dollars around this idea of creating this ideal platform to move money via the ACH rails. So really exciting. Got it. So, so maybe you can give us a few of the use cases, I guess, that are, that are I guess, most prominent today. Yeah, they, you know, they do a great job at really diversifying who they work with. They, they have a, a wide swath of industries that they try to target. Almost entirely is going to be B2B transactions. A recent situation was uh, an established software company does about $100 million a year in ARR. It's a tax preparation software. 
Now in that tax preparation software, you might have uh, a tax attorney or an accountant that is using that software to facilitate tax preparation or bookkeeping services for a customer or client. Their customer or client would typically be an, another business or business owner. Well, in order to facilitate payment for those services rendered, this, this software company wanted to integrate in a payment solution where that tax accountant or that tax attorney could invoice directly their customers for those services rendered. So what Dwala did in working with their developers is they created a highly customized white label payment solution embedded in the software itself. So as that user wants to, to remit payment or send payment, they're able to really quickly, seamlessly within that software, send payment requests, get payment back. And again, they're doing it for pennies on the dollar. So that would be a good example of how one might use the Dwala product. Got it. And you know, you, you've been in the market for 20 years. You talked about your background. Like, how, how has the space evolved? I guess through 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 that through your career. Like, like what are sort of the markers? I guess that you would point to. Really, yeah, it's been really progressive. Um, there's been a few years of stagnation. One of the things that's really interesting about the payment space is, you know, you think of those credit card terminals sitting uh, on a counter. That advanced to using pin-based debit. That was a big innovation for payments. And then you started getting into mobile options. Uh, you get EMV capabilities. The, the space recently in the last few years has moved very heavily towards having some kind of point of sale to transact those payments. Uh, an interesting trend is that many verticals and industries are now using POS systems that are specific to those industry or verticals. Mm -hmm. So there has been a mad dash by, by merchant acquirers or, or payment facilitators to integrate very quickly with the independent software vendors, ISVs. So I might go to a POS that was built for restaurants and become a preferred vendor where I'm trying to integrate my payment solutions into that, that then in turn get distributed to all of those various restaurants or restaurant owners that are using it. So that integration Payment integration has been a, a, a real kind of gold rush the last few years. And then you obviously have payment facilitation, PayFAC, uh, the last two or three years that everyone is trying to get in on. Payments as a whole is, is a commodity. There's not a whole lot to differentiate people in the space. So there really is a lot of effort in people trying to have some kind of value proposition, some kind of product that helps them stand out in what otherwise is a pretty, pretty crowded field. And, and I guess how, you know, we've seen transaction speeds, you mentioned this before in your previous answer, you know, speed up, but like how important is that going forward? Um, does that become, a, is it just table stakes at this point or is it just, are we going to continue to just go faster and faster and faster? It's, it's table stakes, but definitely it's going to have to go faster. Just a larger narrative on society as a whole. I, I think we've all become accustomed to immediate information. Uh, we want instant gratification. We want to be able to do a Google search and find an answer. You know, we want, um, we want things now. And I think that's becoming, as you said, table stakes or the expectation payments, you know, this idea that you're going to have to wait a few days to see that money show up in your bank account is I believe going to become increasingly antiquated. So you've got push to debit, push to card technology. You have FinTech disruptors like Venmo that are finding creative ways to send funds faster. 
Um, and I think everyone's just raising the bar as to what you're going to need to do to compete both in a, a B2B, B2C, and P2P space in, in all things fintech. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so what do you think looking forward? I know that's the, the billion dollar question, but what, what's the next wave? Well, one of the things that I look to to try to figure out what the next wave is, is where are VCs and private equity, where are financial sponsors putting their money? I think that's a really great kind of uh, canary in a cave way to think about what are the emerging technologies, what are consumers demanding? And if you look at you know, where a lot of financial sponsors are investing, you see a lot of fintech companies, you see a lot of disruptive banking technologies you know, to go against the traditional banking system. So I envision things like Dwaller, products like Dwaller, where it's deeply integrated, uh, it's very user-friendly, uh, it's got kind of ancillary drag or benefits to other aspects of your life. So this, this deeply integrative, intuitive user experience, instantaneous funds transfer, uh, it grows organically. I think those are going to be the key ingredients. And um, I think you see that in the VC space that people are really hungry to put their dollars to work in those kinds of technologies. Got it. So, so can we talk, can we shift gears and talk about your go to market? I, I know you're, you're, you're recent in the, in the, in the role, but can, can we talk about, I guess, where you see the opportunity is and, and, um, I guess how you're positioning the company, you know, to take advantage of that. I would love to. Yeah. One, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm trying to be really mindful of my leadership style has always been, um, I guess a great analogy. If, if there is a house on fire or a burning, a burning house, I would be that firefighter that just runs into the house and tries to save people. And I'm not always as thoughtful as I need to be in terms of being strategic or mindful about where to go first, what door, what, what one's best for entry and exit. Um, and that can be a good and a bad thing. Mm -hmm. So with, with Walla, I'm trying to be really mindful. We're right now going through a value creation planning process, essentially a really deep uh, and intense 90-day SWOT analysis of the business. One of the progressive things we're doing is participation uh, is, is open to the entire company. So we've created seven different task forces, seven different committees that each represent a, a really critical segment of the business, one of which is our go-to-market strategy. Right now, we're going through that, that, that process of doing a lot of market research. We're talking to a lot of customers. Um, we're doing a lot of uh, intel work on competitors in this space. We're really trying to formulate what the shape and vision and focus of the company is going to be as we move forward into the future. We anticipate doing some really exciting fundraising in the next 12 months. And so this is really going to be that process by which we shape that go forward strategy, our corporate identity, get some, some clarity around the product focus. And then we really anticipate growing really quickly. All that is to be said that go to market is the really exciting piece, um, simply because Guala has never been a very sales centric or revenue focused company. It's very much been product first or product, product, um, product centered. So I can say right off the bat, even while we go through this value creation planning phase is we're going to be very, uh, I think diversified is the right way in how we go to market. We plan on being very thoughtful around 
what sectors and industries we hope to target, what's the right way to penetrate those, those clients, what is the product that they're going to, to need or require. Um, and we're, we're being really mindful of our product roadmap, the technology as it exists today, and then creating those distribution channels to take those products to market, I think in a really exciting um, and, and very quick way. We're gonna be what's creating pretty quickly here in the next 12 months. So, structurally, I mean, does that mean you have to hire more staff, I guess, in, in, in commercial functions that maybe didn't exist before, or the, the structure of the company changed? Uh, we'll, we'll definitely be adding headcount. You know, mm -hmm. if you look at the, the profile, profile of, of Dwalla, uh, very heavy on engineering, customer success, um, product development, legal, risk and underwriting, the, the go-to-market is probably... I'd say 10% or less of the company's headcount today. So it really is a small percentage. And as we diversify that go-to-market strategy, one, one thing that we're considering that, again, will need to be flushed out through the value creation planning process is we will most likely have different distribution channels uh, that might be focused on more of the startup client or more of an enterprise-focused merchant. One area that's really exciting are those strategic relationships, partnerships with financial institutions, reseller opportunities, kind of that one-to-many uh, opportunity where we can really get that Dwala product out and, and leverage some strategic relationships to really get market penetration. That makes a lot of sense. It's, and I guess, is it too early uh, as an addendum, is it too early to start talking about um, thinking about the product pipeline? Or it sounds to me like you were kind of, that, that project you're working on is really focused on here's what we have today. How do we bring that, you know, in the best way to market? Are you, are you also thinking about new products and, and services to launch? We are, we are. Yeah. And that's a really, really good question. Dwala historically, their product roadmap and how they've built that ACH product has been dictated by, by customer demand. And what I mean by that is you may have a key customer ask for certain reporting functionality or you may have a customer say, we'd like the product to do this. And so the product teams uh, and internally where we deploy engineering resources has been very responsive to that feedback from our clients. And that can be a good or bad thing. It, in one sense, helps you understand what the marketplace is asking for. Uh, but if not done in a very disciplined, I, I think, type of function, you can deploy resources and focus and energy on things that may not have widespread application or applicability to the market. This might be specific to just one client that you have. So one of the things we're really trying to, to understand with our product roadmap and how we continue to develop it is, are we just not responding to the needs of our current customers and things that may be unique to them, but do we feel like this is what the marketplace is asking for today, and equally important, what do we think the marketplace is going to be asking in the future? And, and having that kind of forward thinking uh, lens by which we view our product roadmap is gonna be really important. And are we deploying resources both to satisfy the demands of the market today, but also where we think it's gonna be in six or 12 or 24 months from now? Yeah, we, we hear that a lot with, some, with our technology uh, you know, guests on the show that that sort of cycle of of being attentive to clients and then, you know, creating a process of taking those insights and then incorporating them back into like the greater product. Um, so, right. so 
I guess from a personal point of view, um, what are your biggest goals in the next 12 months? It sounds like you've, you've named a couple of the big projects you have on your thing, but I guess from a personal point of view. Yeah, you know, first is we, we need to navigate the, uh, the current crisis that, that everybody's facing. This was a heck of a time uh, to step into to this role. There, there are challenges, obviously, with the, uh, the economic climate and the health crisis that's happening. So we're, we're being mindful of that. We're really trying to fortify our business and make sure that, um, like most payment companies, of which we consider ourselves, are in a, in a position to weather that storm. Gross payment volume is down for almost everyone in the industry, and Dwal is not excluded from that. So we're we're going to be working hard on you know weathering the next three to six months. Hopefully, uh, personally, we will be relocating to Des Moines as soon as possible uh, to spend time there with the staff. Hopefully, if everyone can uh, you know kind of get out of the work from home situation, uh, and then we we really hope to execute on all things value creation planning related. We're, we're going to have a very specific um, set of strategic initiatives. We're going to have a really detailed business plan that's going to drive a lot of business decisions. And we want to show a lot of value from that execution that can create, I think, some good momentum going into a pretty significant raise for us, uh, I would say 12 months from now. Well, best of luck to you, Brady. Thank you for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. Yeah, thank you for the questions.